This is episode number 167, Conversations on Sexual Assault, with Michelle Gay. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to invite all of our listeners to our upcoming Courageous Conversation. This is something that we started approximately 15 weeks ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer and helping create a space for others to shift their own realities through the shared perspectives that get shared within each and every one of these conversations. If you would like to know more details about how to join any of these upcoming calls, go ahead and leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we'll respond with all the details about how you can become a part of this community. Now, let's get back to the show. Michelle, welcome Hi. to the show. Hi, Oleg. Thank you for being here, and thank you for having the, what I call, podcast pre-podcast, and that's conversations that could take hours and hours if we don't hit the record button, and then we just realize that maybe we were just meant to have a conversation just between the two of us <laughs> and, and no one else. Um, you know, the topic that I wanted to explore with you today and it revolves around this question that you asked, which I would like to read out loud and then we can kind of better navigate where we can start off with it. Right. It is, what will it take to shift the context in which we address sexual assault and harassment from victim to personal accountability and responsibility? And there's one, hang on, Oleg, there's one word missing. So from victim perpetrator. Okay, That's victim the perpetrator. There's, there's good, bad victim perpetrator, and then we want to shift to personal accountability and responsibility. Mm-hmm. So the way that I would like to address that question is I would like to relate it to personal experience. I'm a huge believer in transforming our own narratives through other people's narratives. In your case, let's start with your own individual journey. Did you experience one or two of those sides of that question that we addressed? Yes, I, I, so this all, you could say this all began with um, my sister who, when she was 15, um, went to a um, hockey game. I'm from Canada. And you know what you do when, you know, we go to the mall or the hockey rink pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so she and her friend met a couple of men who were, you know, a few years older, 19, 20, around there. And, you know, I, I wasn't there, but I can imagine, you know, my sister and her friend having a drink and maybe smoking some pot, you know, that kind of, um, you know, having that kind of a, a, an evening. And at the end of the evening, they um, in, offered my sister and her friend a ride home. And they accepted. And that night, my sister was, was um, sexually assaulted. And, um, you know, it was brutal for our family. It was brutal. 
and my brutal for my sister, brutal for just, uh, you know, the kind of experience you don't ever want to have to have someone you love go through. And um, my sister is like an extraordinary woman now. She's powerful, she's empowered, she's, you know, she, but she's ha she has lived her life inside of that, like that that happened. That's something that she's had to overcome something she's had to prevail over, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and, and heal from and, or compartmentalize or all the things you bring to that kind of an experience so that you can survive it. And um, the, the, uh, so I, 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 that's really the kind of seed experience for me. And then I had my own kinds of experiences with um, harassment and, you know, that, but, the real seed experience is my, is my sister. I volunteered uh, for the St. Vincent's Rape Crisis Program here in New York and for five years. And what I learned, and you know, probably just as a, like as a, I wanna give back, I wanna make some kind of a difference for, mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for people and you know, who are having that happen. And um, I, during that time, I learned a couple things that, that surprised me. Um, first, that men are sexually assaulted. That blew my mind. I really thought this was a woman's problem. Yeah. I got, no, this is a people problem. And, and so there was that. And then the other thing is that there is, almost without exception, there is some conversation, some form of relatedness, getting to know someone that happens before an attack. So the idea that you're, you know, walking down a dark alley, you get surprised from behind, while those things do happen, they are not the, the majority. Mm. Mostly, it's you meet someone, there's some form of interaction, it could be a couple of minutes, it could be hours, it could be, you know, you've known them for years, it, you know, it's like, it could be a, like someone you've known your whole life. So there's mm -hmm. that relatedness. And I got interested in wow what if we could impact that like before the attack happens and then i read a book called the gift of fear survival signals that protect us from violence by a man named gavin de becker and lo and behold he he actually lays out the the uh aspects of that conversation that can put you on alert to that this person may not be someone who is going to listen to your boundaries and someone who's going to respect and honor you and honor you. Uh -huh. And so those things came together and I am a lab on certified movement an analyst, which is essentially an expertise in the language of movement. I'm a six degree black belt. So I have that other physical aspect of it as well as a nonverbal component. And I was, my mind was blown. I was like, wow, what if we put it all together? in some kind of a you know workshop environment where people could rather than reading a book which you know is valuable but then you know it at the level of knowledge what if i could actually have a conversation with people have it be relevant and grounded in their lives have them do the critical thinking that puts themselves in their life you know like and and what it could look like for them own it and then also distinguish the nonverbal aspects of dominating and avoiding domination, which are, are in space and time, how we use space and how we use time to dominate and avoid domination. Mm. And 
I'm excited about. Like, I love that, like this conversation, like the power that, you know, comes from this kind of um, knowledge and practice. And then, you know, for fun, we do a little bit of um, self-defense at the end, like a little bit of quick release and run techniques, but really the workshop is designed so that you never have to fight your way out of anything and actually empowers you in your day-to-day -day experience of life. Um, so that's what, what you know, I, I created that workshop in 2003. I've taught it in, you know, the, all over the United States, Canada, Germany, Sweden, <laughs> and my amazing. daughter and I, <laughs> sorry? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's been a real honor, privilege, joy, passion, and one that I now share with my daughter. In fact, she's now the CEO of the company. It's called Self Offense. And she's taking it to a whole new level. Wow. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that you kind of put in perspective, which I haven't heard in this particular way, and it's this concept of dominating the space. And yeah. I'm, I've always been curious to learn from the other end because I've heard multiple perspectives when it comes to the possible victim side of yeah. having experienced harassment, sexual assault, or whatever it may be. But I can't say that I've had conversations when I would have been able to hear the other side. Based on your experience, based on your research, what do you think triggers that behavior as someone who actually causes that particular event? Like what, what switch, what happens in the person's, I mean, exactly. You know, we, it's difficult to know, but. Oleg, we take the case that if that's happening, something has like human beings we take the case that human beings are fundamentally good right and then that's happening something has gone terribly wrong so you know there's like there's i mean oh my goodness there's so much miscommunication that's happening and you know i have a dear friend who um who is a parole officer and advocates for um uh you know people who are are you say as rapists you know, like that's, he, they're his guys. And he's like, look, they're, they're not under the impression that they're hurting people. They actually think from their perspective that they're, that they're helping, that they're yeah. doing good, that they're providing something like it's a, it's a perspective. Like that's mind blowing. It me. is. Cause it really like so much for the born evil. You're not born. No, you just got like, <laughs> There's a maybe a miswiring there, but like what that's the whole like if we could be accountable and responsible and in communication, like there's something possible in in relationship that that hasn't been possible before. Yeah, and I think it also speaks back to the point that you and I were having around this concept of parenting and the influence that parents have on our lives. I've been very curious to try and better understand what type of influence do our surroundings have, especially at a very young age, and how do we choose to translate those experiences moving forward? I mean, I can still pinpoint the numerous times, numerous lessons my dad passed on to me over very simple dinner table conversations, but yet I look at them as cornerstones of who yeah. I am today. And so, so much of it, I think, boils down to the influencers and influences and the, the other thing that you mentioned, which is also something I believe in, is it's all a matter of perspective. It really is. The way that you choose to see the world 
So this is my belief. And if you have a different belief, that's perfectly fine. And that is, I believe everyone's right. I truly do that. I believe that whichever way you see the world through whichever lens, it's right according to you. And I am really in no position to come into it and say, no, that's wrong. I may be in a position to help expand the, the scope of what you believe is right. But I think in this case in particular, that this is, um, this is a little bit harder one to navigate because how, well, how do you personally help people expand that perspective if they see it from the lens of, such as you mentioned, domination and whatever other form as the right way of living? Well, I think, I, I think the, the real challenge for us, Oleg, is that, that is this victim-perpetrator um, context. So that if you're, if you're speaking, like in my speech, if I'm saying, okay, so that the, the perpetrator actually thinks that they're contributing and they're, then I am somehow blaming the victim. So that's the thing, like, like the tricky kind of walk is like, how, how do we empower the both individuals so that, 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 like, let me say it this way. Our workshop, when you come out of the workshop, I have men and women who participate in the workshop. Men come out of the workshop, a dear friend of mine said, one of the major distinctions that we use is saying no, and what that looks like, and, and what it sounds like, and when we don't say no, and why we don't say no, and what we say instead of saying no, and it's this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, a dear friend of mine, powerful man, um, in the middle of the workshop goes, wait, wait a second, wait a second. I was taught not to take no for an answer. Yeah. I was raised not to take no for, I have numerous examples of me not taking no for an answer from a woman. Now, this is not somebody who is a terrible person that you would ever call a perpetrator, but this is somebody who went, got for themselves like, oh my God, I do not take no for an answer. Now, he said, I now have a choice. I don't wanna be that person in life. I am now listening newly in my conversations for where I am not taking no for an answer, getting that no, and mm -hmm. then being in communication with that person in a way that works. Now that's, that's a, a blow for freedom in, in relationship, if you ask me that, 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 um, and that's what I want to empower the men with as well. So that, and you know, this tends to fall into a binary conversation. So, you know, I need mm -hmm. it more broadly mm -hmm. than that. I want, I want people to be listening for when they are, their own boundaries are not being honored and also when they're not honoring someone's boundaries. Because that's a two-way conversation. There is, there is nothing we say in the workshop that people on both sides of the quote-unquote victim-perpetrator couldn't own. Yeah. You, everybody manipulates. Everybody does. It's I think the, the other thing that you mentioned that's also interesting to point out is in regard to communication. Mm -hmm. in my opinion, yeah. we're not taught to communicate when no. we're born. No, we're not. And so there's a reason why there's this disconnect that happens in relationships, friendships, and whatever other form. And then throughout our life, it, it's almost kind of like based on hope that we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, to a so degree, good. like that's the reality <laughs> is that you hope that if you go into the system, college, schooling, whatever the form may be, and you're going to be taught it. But one of the, one of the examples I always bring up in regard to college is 
for me, when I look at college and I look at the benefits that I got through that particular experience, one of the biggest ones has been the ability to network. Yeah. And yet there is no class that's called networking 101. No. no. Why yeah. is that? <laughs> I know. It's, it's like assumed that the, the, the relationships you make in college, that that environment, that that is, it is at that networking experience. Yeah. That's and you're somehow going to preserve them. That's the other assumption that's made is that you come in, you make all these connections and somehow you're going to know how to navigate them when you move, in my case, literally halfway across the country. So I I think there's a lot that goes unaccounted for. I think there's, there are a lot of assumptions that are oftentimes made, but the communication part is so key because I mean, it, it really is the foundation to understanding this life and this experience to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ongoing moment to moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and we're, you could take the case. We're never not communicating. We are always in, we are always communicating something. Yeah. And the two aspects of it, like there's the speaking of it and then there's the listening of it. And where does communication actually take place in the speaking or in the listening? That's a great or question. Somewhere, <laughs> or is it somewhere in the in-between of it? Like, Yeah. The, the other thing that, as you were sharing, it got me curious. A friend of mine recently shared with me that it never is a long time, but it took me a while to look at it this way. Let me put it to you that way. He said that oftentimes many of us think that there are only two choices that we can make, either yes or no, or this way or that way. But in reality, you have three choices, this way, that way, or no decision at all. And I think sometimes that part gets forgotten, is that it's not always about yes or no. Sometimes it's okay to not make a decision, period. Yeah. It's like, it could be like, yes or no for now. Yes, exactly. 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 (laughs) In this moment. (laughs) I want to take a slight transition and kind of pick up the conversation where you and I left off prior to hitting the record button here. And that's with our parents. Sure. What kind of influence would you say your parents had on you and who you've become today? Well, you know, I am everything I am today because of my parents, no question. And, um, my father was a, was a, um, an elite athlete. And, um, you know, I have a love of, um, I am an athlete, I'm a professional athlete, and that's very much born of my, um, you know, born of my uh, uh, relationship with my father. And I love to, you know, I'm in the martial arts world, which is like predominantly male, and I love being around men and men energy. And, um, uh, you know, my father loved children as well and was mm. amazing with children. And, you know, that's another big love of mine, being with children and our children's program. And, um, and then my mother is the, um, you know, what I get from my mother is the, you know, I have to, this is the more tricky relationship. See how it's so easy for me to say my father, the right. my father is. My, my mother has been a more complex relationship and my father has since passed my mother and i we speak all the time we have a very close relationship there's nothing we can't talk about and it took us a long time to get here and it took a real transformation 
for us to have the kind of relationship that we have right now. But mm -hmm. I have my intellect from my mother, my, mm. my keen, my keen, like, um, I just, my, my thinking is my mother. It's like, I, the things I say are my mother's voice, mm -hmm. uh, her, her femininity. I resisted my whole life and I am now embracing it. <laughs> and I'm so grateful to my mother for her sense of style mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, her, her just willingness to, to be a woman. You know, um, so that I think I could really um, say how they've influenced me and they influenced me also by what they didn't do. Like I really got my, both my parents gave up on dreams, like my father's to be a professional athlete, my mother's to be a, um, a, a, a concert pianist and um, a model. Those were both, you know, career potentials that they had when they were younger that were, were, decided against in favor of family and living, you know, the kind of life that was expected of them, I think. And that, you know, and I, that I'm like, I, I'm, I have that as an example. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to live my fullest potential, my dreams. I don't want to have to live an either or life. I want to mm. live an either and, <laughs> and, and make that available to others. And that's really where I am right now is making that available to others. Why do you think from a, not only the parent perspective, but just at least my experience has been humans in general. Why do you think people give up on their dreams? We're, we, we, the, the current, it's like the, the, we get resigned and cynical. We get, we're afraid. And I think that that just gains mass over the years. And, you know, when you're young, you don't have that kind of mass around your dreams. You really do believe everything is possible and anything is possible. And then stuff happens and we make decisions and we make those decisions mean what we make them mean. And we go from being a wide open space to being, okay, well, I think I can navigate this. Mm -hmm. the, the brain is a prediction machine designed to keep us safe. Human, we resist uncertainty. We resist not being in control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, there is this thing called control. That's hysterical. But we live like we can control life. We think we do. I, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I wake up and I think I can control all of this. And I just have to take a step back and say, wait, you can't even control your breath. What? What do you think you can control as part of this exactly. experience? And if we could control life, would we be all inside <laughs> enduring a pandemic right now? Like, no. I also don't think it would be as intriguing as, and as interesting if we can control the whole process. You know, if we can predict everything. I, I think that's part of the beauty of life or that life has to offer is that there's so much unknown where you can step into it and your curiosity can just take off and you have no yeah. idea how it's going to work, how it's going to end. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of also creates meaning that money can't buy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think you're really onto something about this curiosity thing, Oleg. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by you in that your your clear curiosity and wonder and you know that 
that is a practice. Because, I mean, really, mostly we conclude and know life rather than ask questions and be in the wonder of it. Yeah. And, you know, that I just, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. And that I think goes back to control. It's ego. It's, I mean, if you kind of think about it from maybe a different lens, one of the challenges that I experienced in trying to understand life and why it, it, for me, it's a difficult question to answer. What is life? I, I don't know. I can give you a thousand answers, but I can't give you one. And the reason, or at least my conclusion of it, why it may be difficult to answer is because there's no beginning, middle or end. It's just like its own thing. Mm. You know, I could say that hypothetically the beginning when I was born, but I don't even know if that is that the ultimate beginning. So there's so much that I think happens that's just completely out of our scope of understanding. And there's a whole lot that is going on that we've inherited and that Mm -hmm. is currently unexamined. So you and I get born into into a world that was here before we got here and that Mm -hmm. will be here after we're gone and that we like kind of show up in it. And, and like, there's so much that we, that, you know, I can, I'm going to say we, I mean, I take for granted. Mm-hmm. including the words that come out of my mouth there are, i use word i'm like i'm looking up words all the time because i think i know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i can actually look up the word truth like every time you use the word truth i'm like you know i don't know about that word truth. <laughs> so but it's like you know that and i think that's i don't know who was it that's i think it was socrates that said an unexamined life is not worth living mm-hmm and you know there's so much of our lives that are automatic and by default and there's no magic there mm-hmm. i i get curious in the the words as well sometimes because i i notice numerous times i've made up words in just in the middle of a conversation i would make up a word and the person says is that a, is that even a word and say probably not but i would would just agree (laughs) exactly probably not but did you understand what i was saying like yep Uh so sometimes that also happens and i and that's the other beauty is that there's no standard like ultimatum type of thing it everything evolves oleg what if it's all made up i would i believe in that possibility as well right well, <laughs> same way your life is. If you, if you really think about it, yeah. the things that you're able to accomplish, especially the things that once upon a time seemed impossible or completely unattainable. Yeah. I just look at that process and I say, how did I do that? You made it, you created yeah. it literally yeah. from nothing but a thought. Yeah. You somehow extracted that thought and turned that into the phone. Yes. And you took actions that realized the thought. So I think that's a critical piece that gets missed is that nothing happens in life without taking action. So we can think about, we can have great thoughts, but until you're acting, taking action consistent, nothing will be realized. 
Mm -hmm. We say a lot of great things, but unless we act consistent with what we're saying and the kind of speaking that actually, actually causes, manifests in like, like is, is an action moving forward. Like when you make a promise or you make a declaration, that's a, that's a language that creates then you act consistent with that. Now you're starting to realize and manifest. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you have a thought, then you take all those actions, which has that be realized. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a pretty simple process, like at the- The base level of it all, yeah. yeah. A friend of mine this weekend shared with me, he said that he got to a point where and I can, I was, I could definitely relate, and maybe you've been in those situations as well, where you feel like you know enough, and then you just have to do it. I look at Nike and I laugh all the time by oh how simple God. and how genius it is, and just that's it. Just do it. Do it. Like you know enough at any given moment to know what the next step may be. You may not know it a hundred percent what that step is, but you know enough what that step could be. And you just keep building. It's a never ending staircase. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Just do it. And then, you know, deal with it, deal with it <laughs> as it comes. Yeah. Don't be whatever there is to do next. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but nothing ever changed because we thought about it. I agree with that. So might as well, might as well get in action, but then I'm an action girl. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just yeah. do it is right though. Michelle, I know that you and I can have this conversation for multiple hours upon end, but uh -huh. yes. out of the respect to our listeners, what is the best way that people can connect with you and learn oh. more about your work? Do you have anything that's coming up that people can I be a part of? me that thank you um so yes we have a we, so we, we're moving our programs to zoom and we have a um self-offense uh course that we're offering on august the 19th from 6 30 to sorry 6 to 8 30 p.m and how people can uh uh find out or register is to go to bit.ly slash self-offense uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We have a website, self-offense or self-offense mm -hmm. is how you, can find, how you can reach us. And, you know, we would love to hear from people and see them and any, any questions people have, any, any ways they want to participate. Absolutely. Contribute to the conversation. Thank you all for choosing to tune in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.